This is Over the Culture Podcast, where you get to hear my spin on things I like, like music, sports, sports entertainment, movies, TV shows, and your mom. You also get to hear about things I don't like, like scam artists. And I'm your bastard of ceremonies, the one gig kid, Pat Stay Black, Alex Treblack, me for Sutherland, Boot Fly Talker, the most interesting lyric in podcasting, the troll of trolls, the prince of petty, macho Mandalorian, Steve G. It's August 7th, 2022, and I still don't have my car back. Uh, I look to get it back tomorrow, Monday morning, when those fuckers open up. And the thing about these tow truck companies, they charge you for holding your car, even on the weekend, and they're not even open on the weekend. And now, how fair is that? That's some fuck. That's that bullshit. That's scamming. That's bullying. Come on cancel culture let's cancel these fucking tow truck companies and their fucking policies (sighs) i'm starting off hot again but hey it's bullshit how the fuck are you gonna charge me saturday and sunday when motherfucker you're sitting at home watching cartoons eating cereal with your shitty kids what if i'm ready to get it saturday what if i got the funds to get it saturday the funds to get it sunday those two days should be null and void if you're not there how fucking dare you? But I'm sure you take cars on Saturdays, Sunday mornings. I'm positive. I'm certain because you take them at odd hours when you're not open. So it wouldn't be far-fetched. Speaking of scam artists, a company reached out to me. A air quotes company reached out to me Monday night last monday night and they're called magenta magenta fb and and i'm gonna read out what they say on their website all right first backstory i get a text saying that i can make 25 dollars immediately by signing up with them and then weekly they will pay me a percentage of their sales by using my Facebook account, right? Sounds like a crock of shit on paper and even in person, especially in person. And so I, I said, I don't know what you mean. I played dumb. Played dumb to catch the dummy. And so they said, I can call you for more details. I was, and I had time. I'm grounded, still don't have my car, and I was off. I was like, let me, let's entertain this fuck shit. So they call me, and a, a lady, she basically says verbatim what the text said. If you start an account with us, you get $25 a me. Well, she didn't sound like that. She, she sounded like Selena. She sounded like the lady who killed Selena. In the broken English, see, it, it was the broken English for me. Amongst all the other fuck shit. And so she transfers me to another person, some specialist in a, another department. She sounded just like the lady I was previously talking to. But anyways, magentafb.com backslash number score or number sign explore 
and the website says start earning immediately $25 paid immediately get your 25 today have an old account you don't use you can make money with that have a new account you use or don't use you can make money with that have an account that's two years old you can make money with that just generally sick of Facebook and need to make additional income you can make money with that Are you a fucking idiot with a working pulse? You can make money with that. Are you a fucking... Are you a fucking pud with no idea what the hell is going around with you? Going, going around you? You can make money with that. Do you not know how to read a room? You can make money with that. No sense of so social awareness? You can make money with that. Sign up now. Full name, email ID, and mobile number. Sign up now. And, and then they have these fake references. I, I, I didn't care to even like get the receipts on this, but it says, As seen on NBC, BBC, CNN, Time, Fox News, USA Today, and the CBC. How dare you? besmirch the good old cbc those canadians would could never do something as scammy and hammy as you magenta magenta fb nbc the peacock they ain't never heard of you magenta fb i'm certain i'm certain the bbc the opp the swv Boys to Men, ABC, BBD, never heard of Magenta. It says, Facebook losers, Facebook losing users at record level. These stats will help you understand better. And, and, and here are the stats, okay? Facebook lost about half a million global daily users in the fourth quarter of 2021 compared to the previous quarter, according to the quarterly earning report of Meta, its parent company. And this was said by in in the issue of Vox, Vox magazine, I'm guessing. And Ignite, they're they're referencing Ignite, whoever or whatever the fuck they are. Uh, Facebook organic reach and organic reach percentage have each declined by 44% on average, with some pages seeing declines as high as 88%. Only one page in the analysis had improved reach which came in at 5.6%, whatever the fuck any of that's supposed to mean. I know people are still setting up Facebook accounts, multiple Facebook accounts, in droves. I haven't heard about this decline. I, I know the younger people are using the TikToks and the IGs and the Twitters. It says, redefine the social media paradigm. You can make money with that. We are being watched. Social media companies have amassed vast troves of personal data and have used this for the benefit of advertisers and Wall Street investors. Now, okay, I'll smoke some of that bag. I can't completely argue with that. The data suggests more troubling, perhaps. Evidence suggests foreign powers have employed misinformation campaigns on social media platforms to shape misguided narratives and influence the way we as a nation think and act. Oh my God, bite your fist. 
don't take our word some kind words from our awesome clients and this was the fucking kicker right here these kind words from these awesome clients this was the fucking cherry on the top for me it was easy this is one of the fucking quotes one of the kind words it says i'm reading verbatim it was easy sign up process and i was paid immediately i appreciate the additional income while exposing facebook at the same time man it was like two birds and one stone now he didn't say all that but but this gentleman it was easy sign up process really you fucking scammy hams you you didn't care to do a grammar check you could have put the word sick to show that hey this is what they meant it was easy sign up process a a simple a could have done magenta facebook and the person who said this is a gentleman by the name of jonathan king and they even have jonathan king's picture up here um and i i need for you if if you're this curious if you got that kind of fucking time to to look this page up it says magentafb.com okay type that in uh and i i use my macbook it, it says the the site's not secure good looking out apple i knew this shit wasn't secure but the picture of jonathan king i shit you not people is a picture of romeo miller or or i know uh, we there are a lot of lookalikes there are, you know a lot of doppelgangers dwelling amongst us i if it's not romeo miller oh my god he could totally ace a celebrity lookalike contest uh jonathan king has anyone ever told you you look like the son of percy miller you know uh, he went platinum as a fucking kid you know his dad percy miller he goes by master p uh, he has uncles, uh, one named Silk, uh, the other named C. Murder, uh, who's in jail for murder. Uh, you know, Romeo. He even had a show on fucking Nickelodeon as a kid. Right after he got platinum plaque as a rapper, as a kid, Nickelodeon was like, hey, kid, you want a show? Romeo Miller. Yeah, has anyone ever said you look like him, Jonathan King? You had to had to someone has had to tell you 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 look like the guy uh who played basketball for the usc trojans at one point uh, actually in, in reality uh, you you look like the guy who sat on the bench for the usc trojans uh while nikola vucevic and demar Derozan were playing basketball for the usc trojans yeah that guy his name's romeo and i swear to goodness jonathan king you have had to hear that for a long time i get it for years i always hear i man anyone ever tell you, you look like lebron james a little bit yeah so i get it jonathan king man thanks for sharing those kind words on magenta facebook um you see here people here on over the culture i steve g uh, one fifth of the great lakes crew one half of rhyme scheme and one of the priests of hiroshima I, I fight crime and corruption, and today that's just what I'm doing, fighting crime and corruption and scam fucking artists. Magenta Facebook and your, your two assailants of the Selena murder, 
Get all the way the fuck out of here. Get 17 fucks out of here. One fuck, two fuck, red fuck, blue fuck. Suck my dick, Magenta. Magenta, suck my D. And you can't have my Facebook profile. You can't. So you can take it and do some whoop-de-whoop-woo fucking okey-doke bullshit. Speaking of okey-doke bullshit, Roman Reigns is still the champion. People, I, I said I was going to watch SummerSlam. I'm going to get back into this WWE universe because I, by all accounts, SummerSlam has been one of the greatest pay-per-views in a long time for that company. Uh, so much so that Steve G partook and watched from beginning to end. And I got to say, it was a good card. It was a great card um, all the way until the end. Roman Reigns. I, I didn't get it then and I don't get it now. This motherfucker still a champion and Brock Lesnar was giving him the work. He was throwing that motherfucker through tables. He was giving this motherfucker that suplex, this suplex, her suplex, his suplex. Suplex city, bitch. The motherfucker pulled out a tractor. While Roman Reigns was in the ring, Brock Lesnar got on his fucking tractor and lifted the ring. He lifted the ring to the point where Roman Reigns rolled out of that bitch. He gets out of his tractor, does some more shit to him. But Roman Reigns gets up. It was a last man standing match. You know, the, if a person is on the ground, he doesn't get up within 10 seconds. The other guy wins. And, it, you know, he's doing all these things. Roman Reigns still gets up. Roman Reigns gives him a spear. Brock Lesnar gets up. Roman Reigns gives him another spear. Because that's really one of the two things he does. He, he does a spear, a Superman punch, some of the dumbest shit. That's his moveset, whatever, Vince, Triple H, uh, maybe Stephanie, somebody fucking loves him. And I get it, his family has been in business with Vince and his family for years, maybe he feels indebted to him, but there's other kids and grandkids who probably, more than likely, have more talent. But he's the head of the table, acknowledge him. I will never, I don't like you, you're my least favorite member of that family. And there are wrestlers who are past, who I didn't even get to see. I'm just assuming. I, I just don't like him. I don't like him. I don't like his haircut. I don't like his eyebrows. I don't like what he talk about. I don't like him. It's just, this. They, they allow this guy to just get so much clout. They have him beat Undertaker in a WrestleMania of all events. They have him beat John Cena. They have him beating Brock Lesnar a couple of times. And I don't like it. I swear. If you could bring back Hogan in his prime, they have this motherfucker beat him too. And we're talking about Terry Bollea, goddammit. How dare you? It could be Terry Bollea and Hulk Hogan, or and Ultimate Warrior. Jim Hellwig. A handicap match versus Roman Reigns. This motherfucker will miraculously find a way to get up uh, and double Superman punch both of them and get the win. What the fuck? In the next pay-per-view, they're going to have him walking on water. I hate it. However, the undercards were great. I like those. Ronda Lousey in her face. She lost. I like that. Not a fan. I, I don't like her. 
that Bianca Belair chick, she put on a great match, and that was the first match. It was her against uh, Becky Lynch, the Irish chick, the Irish lass. Great match for the women's strap. And I was impressed, man. I got to say, I was impressed with the Logan Paul Miz match. Logan Paul did a, a frog splash. He had Miz on the announcer's table and he did a fucking frog splash onto the table that was so brilliant. Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero were blushing above. Well, I can't say Benoit's above, but hey, wherever he is, uh, he was blushing. R.I.P. Eddie. But yeah, man. I, and I like how it was a Cleveland night versus a Cleveland night. I'm sure that was by design. I've been a Miz fan for years. And now I gotta say, I, I'm I'm a Logan Paul fan. I gotta say. I gotta say. Yeah. That's where we at. Overall, it was a great it was a great event, a great pay-per-view. I don't even know if they're still calling them pay-per-views because, like, you can literally watch these things, like, on your phone for free. Um, get the Peacock app or there's so many other avenues to find that shit. Now, on Friday, NBA Youngboy releases the late, his latest album, The Last Slimetto, Slime 2, or I don't even know how, I'm, I'm guessing Slimento. It's S-L-I-M-E-N-T-O. Uh, I'm not big on NBA Youngboy like that. Uh, he does a lot of that singing new age uh, young rapper-ish that they're doing, which, eh. Guess I'm from a different generation. I want bars, cuz. But I will say this. I, I was quite impressed. that The album is over an hour long. It's about 30 tracks, and I did add a couple to my playlist. He does a track with Quavo. Uh, I don't know if that one is Kamikaze or uh, or if it's another track, but I did add a couple. Um, NBA Youngboy, like I, that that is an artist who has legions of fans. I, you, you go on World Star and it'll be like some crazed fan, several crazed fans just wanting to hump his fucking shorts off. And I'm like, damn, I I just heard about him, like, what, yesterday p.m. Not that recent, but by the time I realized or found out who he was, it's, he's already got an army. Shout out to NBA Youngboy. He gets in a lot of shit, but I, I guess with these, that's what these young rappers do. You know, no such thing as bad publicity. But yeah, he, he did that on Friday. He dropped last Slimento, Slime, Slime and Slime and Two, whatever. Uh, but Eminem, Curtain Call Two, his latest greatest hits album. I believe it's from 09 to currently, and there were three new tracks featured on the album. Uh, the King and I featuring CeeLo Green, from the D to the LBC featuring Snoop Dogg, and Is This Love 09 featuring 50 Cent. Um, that album is over two hours long over two hours long and it's Marshall man uh, it's actually it's actually 75 minutes and 41 seconds 
and with the bonus track uh, rap god it's 81 minutes 51 seconds yeah so maybe not two hours long but damn near it's over an hour and i mean what can you say it's it's a greatest hit from marshall marshall b mathering guess who's back back again shady's back tell a friend and apparently apparently the word out in the street is that p davison and kim kardashian are no more good for them i just say you know give it some time before you know it in a couple months p davison will be dating fucking rihanna or some shit some some high profile celebrity i it's just like roman reigns i i just don't get it i don't i don't i don't care how big they say his thing is but all things august 7th in 1983 black sabbath released the album born again in 1992, the film Three Ninjas premiered in theaters. And on that same day, the film Unforgiven, directed by Clint Eastwood, starring Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, Morgan Freeman, and Richard Harris, that premiered in theaters, won a shit ton of accolades. It was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. And when they select a title to be on some shit like that, it's a big deal. But however, for me personally, I don't fuck with no Clint Eastwoods. Fuck Clint Eastwoods. Don't talk to me about no Clint Eastwoods. Also in 1992, after growing pains, actress Tracy Gold loses a massive amount of weight due to anorexia nervosa. She is placed in hospital care. As a result, she is written out of most of the ABC sitcom's final episodes. Hey, show me that smile again. In 1997, Garth Brooks performs to an estimated 800,000 to 1 million people during a free concert given in Central Park, New York City. In 1998, the film Snake Eyes, starring Nicolas Cage, premiered in theaters. In 2001, Usher releases 8701, The Isley Brothers, featuring, featuring Ronald Isley, aka Mr. Biggs, releases Eternal, and Jadakiss releases his debut solo album, Kiss the Game Goodbye. Mwah. In 2005, ABC's acclaimed news anchor Peter Jennings dies of lung cancer. He is then succeeded by Bob Woodruff and Elizabeth Vargas for World News Tonight in 2006, RIP. In 2007, Plies releases the album The Real Testament, Public Enemy releases How You Sell Soul to a Soulless People Who Sold Their Soul, and UGK releases the double album Underground Kings, RIP Pimp C. I remember this is one of the first albums I bought when I moved to Texas. Uh, this was my, um, I would say, welcoming, get, get used to your surroundings kind of album. And uh, I, I bang this heavily. It's so many tracks. Of course, the the player, players anthem, international players anthem. Um, but my shit is I'm banging screw. Ages. Homes in my latest. The game is gold, but it was crazy. I'm banging screw. Yeah, R.I.P. Pimpsey. In 2013, We're the Millers premiered in theaters. In 2015, The Gift premiered in theaters. And I watched that with a friend in the theater and I did not like it. Man, ugh, why? Just why? On that same day, Dr. Dre releases the album Compton. And also in 2015, 
U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump says in a CNN interview that news anchor Megyn Kelly had blood coming out of her eyes, blood coming out of her wherever. Oh, my God. Just grab him by the pussy, Donnie. In 2020, Cardi B releases the single WAP featuring Megan Thee Stallion and debuts at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. But more important to me than all of that shit, in the year 2000, outside the Democratic National Convention in Los Angeles, Rage Against the Machine performs a free concert protesting the two-party system. In a chaotic scene after the performance, police forcibly disperse the crowd and several arrests are made. I remember when this happened. This was a big deal. This was my senior year in high school and uh, or going into my senior year of high school and Rage Against the Machine. Uh, you know, I've said this before. I'll say it again from the Department of the Redundancy Department is my favorite band of all time. Uh, they're also the band who I will not be able to see this summer. They just, you know, majestically popped up and said we're going on tour while steve's broke but anyways i remember when this happened uh this was after their battle of los angeles album was released um and also before they released their renegades album which was an album full of covers this was also shortly before the lead singer zag de la roca left the band and a 17 year old steve was just he didn't know what to make of the world just like now why why today in sports history in 1907, MLB Washington Senators legendary pitcher Walter Johnson wins the first of his 416 career wins, 7-2 versus Cleveland. In 1929, New York Yankee slugger Babe Ruth ties MLB record by hitting grand slams in consecutive games for the second time in a 13-1 win versus the Philadelphia A's. In 1938, the 2000th Brooklyn Dodger home run is scored. Legendary shortstop Leo DeRusher homers off the Reds hurler Peaches Davis in the eighth inning of a 6-3 win. In 1948, American Alice Coachman becomes the first black woman from any country to win an Olympic gold medal when she takes out the high jump at the London Games. In 1954, Englishman Roger Bannister beats Australia's John Landy in the mile at the Empire Games in Vancouver. It's the first time two men run a sub-four-minute mile in the same race. In 1956, Boston Red Sox finds slugger Ted Williams $5,000 for spitting at heckling Boston fans. It's the third incident in three weeks. On that same day in 56, 51-year-old Satchel Paige of the Miami Marlins wins a game before the largest crowd in minor league history, 57,000, at Miami's Orange Bowl, International League. Marlins win 6-2 versus the Columbus Jets. In 1972, Yogi Berra, Sandy Koufax, Lefty Gomez, Early Wynn, Josh Gibson, Will Harridge, Buck Leonard, and Ross Youngs are inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. In 1978, Eddie Matthews, Addie Joss, and Larry McPhail are inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. In 1984, the U.S. collects its first Olympic gold medal in women's basketball history with an 85-55 win over South Korea in the final at the LA Games. In 1992, the Orlando Magic signed number one draft pick Shaquille O'Neal. 
1999, Tampa Bay third baseman Wade Boggs becomes the first MLB player to hit a home run for his 3,000th hit in Devil Rays' 15-10 loss versus Cleveland, Go Ohio. In 2000, Los Angeles Lakers announced retirement of former star player and executive vice president of basketball operations Jerry West. They named Mitch Kupchak to succeed him. In 2004, Cubs pitcher Greg Maddox enters the history books with his 300th career win in the Chicago's 8-4 triumph versus San Francisco at SBC Park. In 2007, San Francisco Giants slugger Barry Bonds hits his 756th career home run to break Hake Arad's long-standing MLB record. Asterix. In 2010, Jerry Rice, Emmett Smith, John Randall, Russ Grimm, Ricky Jackson, Floyd Little, and Dick LeBeau are inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. In 2016, Miami Marlins veteran Japanese outfielder Ichiro Suzuki becomes the 30th member of the 3000 Hit Club in a 10-7 win versus the Rockies. And in 2021, Kevin Durant scores 29 points, leading USA to his third and the team's fourth consecutive Olympic men's basketball gold medal with an 87-82 win over France in Tokyo. And that was the Half-Ass Sports History. Coming up, I'm going to talk about the free concert performed by Rage Against the Machine that served as a protest outside of the Democratic National Convention in the year 2000. We'll be black after these messages. Ghosts! 
entertain as I cry Laugh when I die, hunted down like a prize Pray for my demise, wanna send me to the sky Devil in disguise, my people ask why When you hunt me out to try Hate crimes, domestically terrorize Scared to go outside, terror in my eyes Deliberate, paranormal activity Coming back to hunt, keeping it in the city Special mention to those no longer with us. Last Saturday, we lost American actress, singer, and dancer Nichelle Nichols. Born Grace Dell Nichols on December 28, 1932, in Robbins, Illinois, she's best known for her portrayal of Neota Yahura in Star Trek and its film sequels. Nichols' portrayal of Yahura was groundbreaking for African American actresses on American television. From 1977 until 2015, Nichols volunteered her time to promote NASA's programs and to recruit diverse astronauts, including women and ethnic minorities. In June 2015, Nichols suffered a mild stroke at her Los Angeles home and was admitted to Los Angeles Area Hospital. A magnetic resonance imaging scan confirmed a small stroke had occurred and she began inpatient therapy. In early 2018, Nichols was diagnosed with dementia and subsequently announced her retirement from convention appearances. Following a legal dispute over the actions of her manager turned caretaker, Gilbert Bell, her son Kyle Johnson filed for conservatorship in 2018 
Before a court granted his petition in January of 2019, Nichols' friend Angelique Fawcett, who had already expressed concern in 2017 over Bell's control of access to her, pressed for visitation rights, including by imposing Johnson's petition. That dispute and a 2019 court case by Bell over being evicted from the guest house in Nichols' property were both ongoing as of August of 2021. Nichols died of heart failure in Silver City, New Mexico on July 30th, 2022 at the age of 89. On Tuesday, we lost American sportscaster Vin Scully. Born Vincent Edward Scully on November 29, 1927 in the Bronx, New York, he was best known for his 67 seasons calling games for Major League Baseball's Los Angeles Dodgers beginning in 1950 when the franchise was located in Brooklyn still and ending in 2016. Scully's tenure with the Dodgers was the longest of any broadcaster with a single team in professional sports history, and he was second only to Tommy Lasorda by two years in terms of numbers of years associated with the Dodgers organization in any capacity. He retired at age 88 in 2016, ending his record-breaking run as the team's play-by-play -play announcer. In his final season behind the microphone, Scully announced most Dodgers home games and select road games on Sportsnet LA Television and KLAC Radio. He was known for his distinctive voice, lyrically descriptive style, and signature introduction to Dodgers games. It's time for Dodger baseball. Hi everybody, and a very pleasant good afternoon or evening to you wherever you may be. He is considered by many to be the greatest baseball broadcaster of all time, according to fan rankings, Bleacher Report, and Fox Sports. In addition to Dodgers baseball, Scully called various nationally televised football and golf contests for CBS Sports from 1975 to 1982 and was NBC Sports' lead baseball play-by-play -play announcer from 1983 to 1989. He also called the World Series for CBS Radio from 1979 to 1982 and again from 1990 to 1997. On the evening of August 2nd, 2022, Scully died at his home in Hidden Hills, California at the age of 94. Rest easy, y'all. The 1999-2000 NBA season ended up being fortuitous for the Los Angeles Lakers, who were in their inaugural year playing out of the Staples Center. On June 19, 2000, the Lakers beat the visiting Indiana Pacers, winning their first championship in 12 years. While the game took place inside the arena, it was broadcast for free outside on a large video screen. Thousands had gathered to watch the game on the screen and be in the proximity of the arena. As soon as the game ended, the crowd of nearly 10,000 people quickly turned violent as violent opportunists began attacking property, making bonfires, beating up a Lincoln limo and two LAPD cars, flipping a news van and setting fire to a Ford Explorer, as well as looting local businesses. All the local media channels covered the riots live on television, where LAPD officers were seen containing the rioters, but taking some time before actively dispersing the crowd. Some criticized the LAPD for not taking a harder approach to the rioters. Part of what influenced the LAPD's hands-off approach was the recent Rampart scandal that had rocked the department and generated much criticism in the news. After the handling of the Lakers' victory riot, the LAPD revised its plan for the 2000 Democratic National Convention, which took place less than two months later.
In addition to the anarchists' participation in the protest of the DNC, a group of anarchists calling themselves the August Collective held the North American Anarchist Conference, a three-day conference in the days before the DNC took place. The conference was a convergence of hundreds of anarchists, both from North America and abroad, and consisted of workshops, panels, speaking engagements, and various other events. The recommended $25 donation granted access to the events for three days, as well as free housing, and the free meals provided by Food Not Bombs. Due to the local media and LAPD-induced black scare, the organizers of the event took special security measures during the preparations. For instance, attendees of the conference had to check in at a local vegetarian cafe called Luna Tierra Soul to get the address of the conference warehouse. The motive behind this decision was fear that if the LAPD knew the location of the conference, they would pressure the owner to cancel the rental of the building, a common scenario for modern radical organizers. In addition to this, the actual location of the building was withheld from everyone except the two August Collective members who secured the space. Despite this, the LAPD reportedly installed a video surveillance system on a nearby lamppost days before the conference and removed it after the DNC had ended. This leak in security is generally believed to have been through law enforcement surveillance, such as wiretaps. Despite fear that the LAPD would raid the conference and shut it down, the conference went ahead as scheduled, and other than undercover surveillance, police presence was kept to a minimum. Among other things, many members and attendees suspected that the police would pressure the fire department to deem the nature of sleeping attendees as a fire hazard. However, nothing came of such suspicions. In order to provide security around the Staples Center, the Los Angeles Convention Center, the LAPD, Los Angeles Fire Department, and United States Secret Service designed a large secure zone for the news outlets and media and surrounded by a perimeter fence consisting of K-rail barriers with a 10-foot fence rising up from it. The proposed layout of the media village had been diagrammed and published by the Los Angeles Times. The initial planned location of the convention's free speech zone was successfully challenged in court for being too remote. The zone was then relocated to a parking lot across from the Staples Center. In the months leading up to the convention, cable channel MTV began planning a large free concert to take place in downtown Los Angeles as a part of its Choose or Lose campaign, aimed at getting youth out to vote. MTV decided that popular rock group Rage Against the Machine would be the ideal marquee band. However, the band's political message, combined with the title of its most recent album, The Battle of Los Angeles, caused serious concern from LA city leaders. MTV's applications for staging the concert were denied by the city and the channel eventually gave up its attempts to plan one. After MTV's attempts failed, a number of protest groups agreed to give their one-hour time allotments on the stage in the protest zone. The band was offered primetime slots, coinciding with the marquee speaker on the opening night of the convention, then-President Bill Clinton. Although they were at first required by the city of Los Angeles to perform in a small venue at a considerable distance, early in August, a United States District Court judge ruled that the city's request was too restrictive, and the city subsequently allowed the protest and the concert to be held at a site across from the DNC. The police response was to increase security measures, which included a 12-foot fence and patrolling by a minimum of 2,000 officers wearing riot gear, as well as additional horses, motorcycles, squad cars, and police helicopters. A police spokesperson said they were gravely concerned because of security reasons. During the concert, the band's frontman, Zach De La Roca, said to the crowd, Brothers and sisters, our democracy has been hijacked and later shouted, we have a right to oppose these motherfuckers. 
After the performance, a small group of attendees congregated at the point in the protest area closest to the DNC, facing the police officers. Reports of what activity they engaged in vary, the most extreme being reports of throwing glass, concrete, and water bottles filled with noxious agents, spraying ammonia on police, and slingshooting rocks and steel balls. However, milder reports also arose, one only mentioning tossing rocks. The police soon after declared the gathering an unlawful assembly, switch off the electrical supply, interrupting performing band Osmati, and informed the protesters that they had 15 minutes to disperse on pain of arrest. Some of the protesters remain, however, including two young men who climbed the fence and waved black flags, who were subsequently shot in the face with pepper spray. Police then forcibly dispersed the crowd using tear gas, pepper spray, and rubber bullets. At least six people were arrested in the incident. The police faced severe and broad criticism for their reaction, with an American Civil Liberties Union spokesperson saying that it was nothing less than an orchestrated police riot. Several prime witnesses reported unnecessarily violent actions and police abuses, including firing on reporters, lawyers, and people obeying police commands. Protesters were trapped between police fronts, and some were beaten by police while trying to obey commands. At one point, four young men were repeatedly beaten by mounted police while trapped against the wall. Police responded that the response was outstanding and clearly disciplined. Footage of the protests and the ensuing violence, along with the MTV news report on the incident, was included in the Live at the Grand Olympic Auditorium DVD. Happy anniversary to the rebels of Rage Against the Machine. Rage on. Rage on. In today's birthdays for August 7th, Turning 31 today is American baseball player Mike Trout. Happy 33rd birthday to American basketball player DeMar DeRozan. Turning 34 today is American football player from THE Ohio State University, Beanie Wells, Go Ohio. Turning 35 today is Canadian ice hockey player Sid the Kid, Sidney Crosby. American actor, director, producer, and screenwriter David Duchovny turned 62 today. Happy 64th birthday to English singer, songwriter, and guitarist Bruce Dickinson. And turning 67 years old today is American actor, comedian, and voice actor Wayne Knight. Hello, Newman. So that wraps up another edition of Over the Culture Podcast. Please make sure to check out my other show, Happen in the 90s, every Thursday with my buddy Matt G., Crush Gasm with Kendra every Wednesday, B3F Podcast with Joey and Steve, Don't Worry, Be Movie with Amanda and Wade. Y'all be cool, because you can make money with that. Peace. <laughs>